0: Welcome to the Talking Fit Podcast, a show dedicated to helping all of you become the strongest version of yourselves in and out of the gym. We hope that today's show can help bring you one step closer to your goals with the education brought to you by our guests, crew, and community. Please don't forget to leave us a five-star review and rating wherever you find your podcasts and share the show with your friends and family. Remember that greatness comes from small beginnings. So without further ado, here we go. Welcome back to the Talking Fit Podcast, and it's been a while since we gave you guys an episode. The reason for this being is that, you know, even before the coronavirus hit, myself, Greg, and Kane, we've had a lot of huge life-changing events. You know, Kane has gotten married and is now expecting a family. I am moving forward with a completely new side to the business, which is online, as is Greg. And, you know, Sometimes things fall by the wayside, but all this time that I personally have had in lockdown has given me a lot of time to reflect and it's made me think about, you know, what what I want my legacy to be. And in the industry, I want to know that I made an impact educating people. I mean, the the reason why the three of us started this podcast in the first place, and before I carry on, don't you worry, Kane and Greg will be back very, very soon uh, as co-hosts. But the reason why we started this podcast is because we wanted to help people. We wanted to give our clients and our listeners education and information and the ability to make their own decisions when it comes to their wellness, health, nutrition, fitness, all of the things that encompass their ability to live a better, stronger life. We wanted to be able to demystify all the bullshit that's out there and give you guys the power. That is what's always been at the heart of our message. And yeah, we tell some of these stupid jokes here and there, but this has always been about you guys. And we want to help and we want to bring you more information. And that's why we brought back one of our most popular guests from one of our most popular episodes, Coach jacob downs of donut barbell fame now jake is a personal trainer strength coach powerlifting coach extraordinaire both in person and online and honest to god is one of the few people that i genuinely consider medicine jake's place in my life has been so impactful in terms of my personal development but also my professional development and in our last episode with him i talked a lot about identity within fitness, identity within lifting, and also how injury is something that has shaped both his understanding and my understanding of how we interact with our clients on a day-to-day basis. And honestly, like talking to Jake just reminds me how blessed I am to have him in my life. So in this episode, we get really into the weeds, we get out there, we talk about a lot of wacky, insane stuff, but long-form conversation is always the best form of conversation. And this is it, unedited, unredacted just everything that we talk about is stuff that we find fascinating and i honestly enjoyed recording this so so much so i'm going to shut up now i'm going to leave you in jake's incredible hands and here we go let's hit it this is jacob downs how are you man it's been so long how's things um all right i guess
1: not really in a position to complain i suppose
0: well, I'm saying if there was a hell of a position to complain from, it would be from a, a Chesterfield wingback armchair. <laughs> I'm digging the setup you've got. That's awesome.
1: Oh, dude. Yeah, my, this is my little like vintage corner. You know, the globe that's completely inaccurate.
0: <laughs> yeah, I love the uh, the colonial globe. It's like, well, we, we reckon like best guess this is what everything looked like. Yeah like you know this is a british flag on it and this is a british flag on it and this is a british flag on it basically it's just like a a catalog of things we used to own
1: yes that is pretty much what this weird little globe is
0: (laughs) amazing amazing so yeah man like how's how's life been like catch me up because like so much has happened like you started a podcast we've had a pandemic (laughs) you know Mm. big world shifting events
1: yeah um the uh the whole pandemic thing in terms of like f- for us and and work uh it's been pretty i think I, I started out trying to be maybe even like overly positive and being like well shit we can't do this and we can't do that so forget that like what can we do and let's make the most of what we can do and yeah. um I think I, I think in a way it's almost like dieting, right? Like you can you can diet really hard for like ten to twelve weeks, and then you just hit a wall, and you've you've just got to take a, a bit of a deload, and you've got to come out, come out of it and and eat some higher calories and kind of reset yourself a little bit. And yeah, I think I kind of felt a little bit like that with um, with lockdown and with work. Like I don't know how you find it, but doing sessions over Zoom is uh like it's really good if people are receptive to it and they want to go ahead and do it but for both of you it's quite tiring to be on a screen instead of being in person so um yeah how have you found it
0: yeah for sure man i mean like i've definitely found the um the dynamic shift really really strange it's like the closest thing that i can like liken it to in a weird way is like my experience with counseling because it's been like it's something that is so by contrast to how we usually do our sessions passive but at the mm-hmm. same time it's so mentally draining because you've got to be like so on the ball so communicative you're looking for things through you know through a very very different lens because quite literally you're not there in person all those things that you kind of as weird as it sounds almost like subconsciously would pick up on by being in, in, in like in the same room Mm-hmm. that person you don't get
1: no yeah you you're, yeah you're totally right it's really hard to gauge someone's level of intensity from that flat screen that sometimes is a bit distorted and yeah you're right there is so it is so mentally draining so yeah um yeah i find like uh, i had like a, a two week break from doing the podcast as well because i was doing um i was doing classes for like clients just to kind of keep everybody just keep everybody like in communication with other people who they might might normally see. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And like doing that and doing the podcast, like I kind of burnt myself out a little bit and, um, yeah, so I, had, like, I had like a two week hiatus.
0: Yeah. Cause you, you hit the ground like hard, you hit the ground <laughs> super, super hard.
1: Yeah. I think I did. I did 14 in just under 30
0: days. Yeah, man, like that is that is hard going. I mean, like I've only just recently sort of come back to this. Like you are you are sort of like guest number one in like the returning podcast, which is super cool. But at the same time Season two. Yeah, exactly. Uh no, we like I like think of it as like part ducks. Just go full Charlie Sheen. (laughs) It's like hot shots, and we all know that part ducks was infinitely better.
1: (laughs) Um yeah, no, it it was really cool. Um I really, I really liked yeah, uh, i really like the interaction of it and i like as we are now recording on zoom because you it feels like you are having more of a real conversation as opposed to just like a telephone call
0: oh yeah absolutely
1: so that, that i've all of them i've done via zoom which has really helped the yeah it's really helped the dynamic of it um but yeah it's really cool i've been meaning to do it for a very long time yeah um and it's just a case of one of those things that you're like, oh, I don't have time. Well, I probably did. I just didn't make the time. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and then yeah, and then lockdown hits, and it's like, well, now I've definitely got the time.
0: So, yeah. It's the whole lockdown thing has been really weird. Like I've, I've, I've had these like weird fits and starts where I've gone like back and forth between like, I'm gonna be the most productive person in the world. I'm gonna read all these books that I've wanted to read for ages. I'm going to write a screenplay, learn a new (laughs) language, like, you know, all the classic sort of like midlife crisis things. And I'm just like, I will then flit to the other side of it where I'm like, oh man, I just, I feel like I've got intellectual palate fatigue. Like I don't want to do anything. I just want to sit and just Netflix and just play on the PlayStation and just be the most useless sack of shit ever.
1: yeah that's that's so right like i totally get that some days i just feel like i can just churn through content and then i'll have like a day or two where i'm like oh i am struggling to get through like the basic functions yeah so it's it's just such an unnatural uh thing right now to not be able to go and see your mum and give her a hug or oh yeah like I think yeah that, that's been a that's been a real my um my dad went to hospital uh about four weeks ago went into A&E oh dude and um yeah so it was like well uh, so it was when we had the heat wave so he's a gardener and yeah. I was he's an overweight gardener so i will put that out there now so he um yeah he's having like dizzy spells um and like a headache and i was like well you don't really drink any water you have probably got like heat stroke so it's like his blurry vision got sort of so bad where he was like he had to get someone to give him a lift back home from work from a, from a garden uh, a couple of days later he goes to the doctors doctors was i mean he may as well just try to use a chocolate teapot because it was just pointless so uh we um So my mum called. What's the non-emergency line? It's like 111, The non-emergency health line.
0: Man, I've got I've got no clue. Like I am such a typical dude when it comes to the doctors. Like unless I am dying and it is a legit accident emergency, I'll just get through it. Like I hate going to hospitals so much.
1: Yeah. Well because they my mum rang them and they sent a doctor to the house in like 45 minutes it was amazing and uh so yeah they, they, they told him to go to A&E he goes to A&E and that was a weird experience because I had to meet them there obviously I, I couldn't be near them we all had to wait outside and then he goes in and he's in there for about an hour and that was really a strange scenario because I had to sit in my car my mum had to sit and wait in her car and then he's having to text the both of us to tell us what's going on. So, of course, he goes into A&E. First thing is they're like, oh, we think he's got uh, COVID. Like, okay. Um, but run we've up. run out of te- – <laughs> yeah, this is like 3 o'clock on a Saturday night or afternoon. And they're like, oh, but we've run out of testing for today, so we'll have to test him tomorrow. Like, shit, okay. So we got to wait till Sunday morning. Sunday morning arrives. It's negative. We're like, thank God. Um but turns out he was diabetic and or he is now diabetic and now has to inject insulin twice a day and so not a great outcome but still i think it's we were all kind of relieved that it wasn't the other outcome yeah but in terms of like like i was really fortunate in that i can still go and see my parents my dad is absolutely fine he can still go back to work but not being able to go in was horrendous and like that definitely kind of highlighted to me how difficult this could have been for some people like not being able to go in and not being able to hug your parents like shit man it was uh it's it's hard going and i can't imagine what some people have been through during this
0: yeah no i know and i have that weird like introspective moment where i can't help but think like i've I found this, re- like, I'm someone who really, like, is comfortable with their own company, you know what I mean? Like, I have no problem being by myself. I'm very secure and I don't feel that need to just surround myself with people for the sake of, like, filling this weird anathema-like void that some people have Yeah, to fill with, like, detri- like essentially just human detritus, just people that fill up your life for no reason. Um, but, like, I have never had this imposed isolation before. And it has been so incredibly weird. Like I saw my parents for the first time in going on like eight months. Mm. Like on Monday. Yeah, you, and it was. Yeah. Cause
1: yeah. you don't live near them,
0: do you? So. Oh, I know. And it was just so weird. Like it was such a weird emotional moment. I was just like, I want to hug you, but are we hugging? What are we, what are we doing?
1: Ooh, do we, do we not?
0: No, mm-hmm. I know, but I was just like, I mean, like, are we are we just accepting the mutual, like, if if we go, this is how we go? Or are we going to be that family that does, like, the COVID chicken wing? <laughs> <laughs> was... Yeah, man, and it's just, it's so, so strange. And I think, I mean, I, I, I was thinking about this the other day, how there's going to be, like, this huge, like, mental health backlash of all of this, right? And the thing that, the thing that I'm really struggling with is the fact that, like, I think it's made people so aware of how much they need other people, but because obviously there's going to be this sort of like filter back into society where we're going to go through different stages of the new normal until we get back Mm. to the new normal that hopefully looks something like the old normal. It, you can't just like turn isolation on and off. You can't just say to people, you know, okay, you can't be around anyone and now you can be around some people, but you can't touch. Okay. You could touch, but you can only touch a few people. And you know, Mm -hmm. I mean, at what point do we just say to people, just do you yeah. like wear, wear face masks and for God's sake, just stop licking each other. You know what <laughs> I mean?
1: <laughs> it's uh, it's really cool to, to, to think how the value, people will now understand the value of other people. And like, there's so many people who like, how many clients have you spoken to over the years and you say like, okay, you want to lose weight. You want to get stronger. You want to be able to do a marathon, whatever it is. And you go okay. So what's what's life at home like? That's irrelevant. I don't need that. And you go well. You do because like, whatever changes you're going to be making, like you're going to need other people to help you along on those shit days. And like now, people are realizing that like whether it's your family or not, like you need other people just to fucking get through your day.
0: Man it's so true and that's it, it's the same with like any with any endeavor like unless you get your your house in order and you've got a good support network it's not going to happen because like you said mm. you need that you need that friend or like person in your family who's like is going to smack the phone out of your hand once you've got the dominoes app out just like you know you need, you need those people
1: that's what i really like about like like eastern philosophy is that there's uh, this, this focus on the self the focus is on is on the group and the community and like the more you try like for me anyway the more you like value that the more you pay attention to that the better your outcome is going to be like just uh I was talking to on the podcast I had a a french powerlifter uh Pana, and he is an insane lifter but a lot of his success he credits to the community that he trains with so he has like a really small um, it's a private uh, it's a private gym, it's owned by them so what do you call that, like a collective is it?
0: Yeah, so, it's like a co-op kind of.
1: Yeah, yeah and he's like every time you go in you know, there's like 12 of you and everybody it just wants everyone else to just kill it so like over the last two years everyone in that gym has just been getting stronger and, and they're all just like fucking insane, right? Yeah. But powerlifting is a very self-contained sport yet look at the power that other people have for it uh so yeah that i think like that ha- have it taken away the, the focus just solely on yourself and realizing that like you've got to be you've got to be propped up by a community a group or, or other people and th- this lockdown has really like highlighted that for some people definitely highlighted it for me as well
0: yeah and it's so funny you bring up the whole like eastern philosophy thing and, and, and because like so something i've I've got this, I, I've realized that like, I have a N plus one personality. So like, if I get into anything, like that's it. Like I have to go in hard with absolutely <laughs> anything, um, which has allowed me to fill my time, like very, very constructively for like in every other aspect other than my business. Cause you know, that's what COVID does. But uh, I, I feel like that's like the long lost symptom of COVID. Like you become really, really good. At all the other stuff you want to do in your life. But just the main thing, the thing that brings your money in, you know, that's, that's where things start to slip. Um, <laughs> But yeah, so I, I've, got back in, I've got back into cooking, which has been awesome to do because a big thing for me is like cooking, cooking for one person is always a pain in the ass, isn't it? Yeah. Like the worst. Even if you're trying to like batch cook, you're just like, well, I mean, okay. I mean, I guess that's going to fill up my freezer. Now what? But um, so I've started like just destroying documentaries, food um, documentaries on Netflix. And I've come across um, this chef called Dave Chang who does these really cool documentaries um, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Where he goes to like a foreign country, and he has breakfast, lunch, and dinner with a celebrity, and or someone of uh, of like of interest. Like he goes and does all of the like the Asian food scene in Toronto with Seth Rogen, and they just like eat food, smoke weed, talk about life. And it's, oh, that's it's,
1: cool.
0: Yeah, man. Like it's really cool, like cathartic viewing. But obviously, N plus one. I watch his documentaries. I then get straight into researching who this guy is, his like restaurant empire, and his <laughs> So, and I, I, I have this weird, like, I have this like, weird filter where, like, if, I'm, if I go to a podcast and someone's podcast is named after themselves, I'm already, like, on the back foot. I'm a little bit like, oh, are, you, are you just, like, being smart and capitalizing on your name, or is this, like, a mega ego trip? So, like, I start <laughs> listening to the Dave Chang show, which might as well be, like, Dave Chang's opinions as facts. <laughs> right and he has had some of the most amazing guests on especially like in response to the whole George Floyd issue and the black lives matter movement like he's been really really um like gravitating in a lot of ways bringing members of like the disparate asian community who have got this weird like um separation between their like their them and their cohort are really like liberal and really active and want to help and be part of the movement Mm-hmm. And then they've got their really conservative parents who have like been brought up in this post, uh, post-Korean War America um, model minority thing. Mm-hmm. And the thing that he has had so many awesome conversations about with all the different people from all these different walks of life is the fact that regardless of how you look at Asian communities in the way they respond to anything, it's all about the collective Mm-hmm. not about the individual, which is so odds with countries like Britain. And so uh, at odds with countries like the UK, uh, sorry, UK uh, the U S where everything is built on the ide- the identity of the individual. It's all mm-hmm. about individualism. And here's this really cool moment where he was like, I think the people, the thing that people miss the most about it is that when, when you are just focusing entirely on the individual, right. You have, All this space to just focus on you but it requires a hell of a lot of work to get that introspective that you can really start to know oneself like to thine own self be true Mm. but within the context of the you know the almost confucian-esque i guess collectivism Mm. of more asian nations it's a case of you are part of a collective which is then going to force you to be the best part of that collective that you can be which which means that your scope of yourself while it might only be an inch wide in regards to the collective it's a mile deep it just keeps going because you have to continue to make sure that you become a better part of the community and then as you get better the community gets better which means you have to get better again because there's a constantly evolving thing yeah i really yeah I I i was just like and the way i was thinking about it the way that like you know south korea locked it down the minute covid happened because obviously they've still got that sort of like uh, that scarring socially from MERS and SARS—they're like, nope, hit the panic button. We're in lockdown mode. It's all good, and now they're pretty much like back to normal. Whereas in the UK, you can't keep drunk people off off uh, Bournemouth Beach. <laughs> I know. It's like, no, fuck you. I've got my freedoms. I'm going to go have a tinny on the beach. No, you lunatic, because thousands of other people are thinking the exact same thing, which then means you're going to have this entire issue again where we're just spreading a contagion around the place. It's mad. Just...
1: There, is, there is that mindset in, uh, maybe in, in the UK and in, in the US. It's like, well, what, what, what impact do I have? Uh, my impact is only small, so it's fine. It's like, it's like littering. You know, like somebody who like, drops a bit of litter, like, well, it's only my coat cans. What does it matter? But whereas if you took the larger thing of it and you went, well, hang on, if everyone else had your view, then we're swimming in shit.
0: <laughs> yeah exactly like
1: trying to think a bit bigger yeah i read a really good book a couple of months ago i was just trying to find it then uh yeah it's called how the world thinks a global history of philosophy by julian Bagini. Bagini. baggini, baggini? baggini? I but think, i would I recommend thing, that
0: that we need to always slaughter people's last names it's <laughs> <laughs> like a very british thing <laughs>
1: If you if you if you say it in like three different ways, you're kind of like, well, I'm gonna one of them is gonna be correct. So it's kind of like, hedging my bets.
0: What I like is when you get like the slightly like older person, like forties, fifties, who goes through the exact same process, but they haven't quite twigged that it's 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 pretty racist to then start to try and do like generic foreign interpretation, like bagini, bagini.
1: bag-ini. <laughs> yeah, you do need to add the twang.
0: Yeah, it's like it. You know, stop imposing what you think this is meant to be. Just, just be like, yeah. So this guy or this girl wrote this wicked book.
1: Yeah, I would highly recommend that book. It was really good. I think you'd love it.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely gonna have to put that on my reading list after this. I mean, and that's the thing. Like, so watching you throughout this, um, this lockdown period, which now that I say it out loud makes me sound like a complete stalker. Um, <laughs> but it's, it's fine because it's only stalky It's only stalking when heavy breathing is involved. So like. Well, I've been passionately observing, not stalking you on social media. Like you've gone in so hard with your reading and your book list is so out there.
1: Yeah, it's pretty out there. A lot of it's like um, uh, a friend in London. We got a little like book club going together. So we'll read something and then post it to the other one. Oh, that's cool. Um, So that's really good. Yeah, I think what certainly when the weather's nice, you know, I find it easier like I, I, I have noticed in the past couple of weeks like how the weather will also affect my mood in that I'll be how motivated I am to do maybe something. But yeah, big thing for me is that I'm building the habit of at least 20 pages a day. So if I just read 20 pages a day, it's not intimidating in any way. And then yeah, by the end of the day, you're like, hey, oh, I've hit 40 pages. And then before I know it, I'm like, Oh, churn through another book. So it's been, yeah, and you know, I always, uh, I always say to Sabrina how I really wish when I was younger that I took up reading, because <laughs> when I was in school, I was a fucking nightmare. I would like, I would do anything I could to not read the book, and then when it came to like writing the review of the book for you know your English class, I'd be like, s- like scavenging off people like what was in it, just give me like the main context and our context, and I'll like elaborate. It's fine. <laughs>
0: yeah cliff notes with jake
1: yeah and they're like (laughs) now i'm like now i'm 30 and i'm reading classics that i just never read when i was in school and i was like you're fuck's sake you realize your parents were always right
0: (laughs) the thing is like i've gone completely the opposite way like i definitely think that like i so when i was a kid i would voraciously read like i had no problem just sitting down and churning through a book like i could get through a book in a day it wouldn't be a problem because like I was a weird kid. I didn't have any friends. So like, you know, imagination's your friend, but like, so I'd smash through books and then I went to, um, and then went to university. Right. So I did uh, religious and theological studies. Right. So it allowed me to really get in the weeds in terms of all these weird oh. things I wanted to get into. So like one of the classes that we did, uh, one of the modules was, um, origins of monotheism. Oh, yeah. So heavy man honestly and that and by the end of it like in conjunction with that and then my uh, my dissertation where i basically chose the most pretentious um topic of all time where i was like <laughs> so right are we tr- i was trying to basically answer whether humans are inherently violent or not and what that actually means in the context of um what i think i titled it Social identity
1: Oh, yeah, I like know, because you,
0: you've got to use the big words to make yourself sound more, way smarter But um, <laughs> by the end of it, I was just like, oh my God, I don't ever want to read another book ever again. I, <laughs> okay. fu- I fucking bet. <laughs> I, I was just done, man. And I found it so hard to get back to reading. It seems like the only thing that I read these days is um, I like research papers or anything like that. And when it comes to like fiction or whatever, or, or non-fiction, but more sort of like narrative prose, I need to, I need to just switch off. Like, I just have to put like a, um, I have to put like an audible in or something and just go and just like walk, listen to an audiobook. And I just, cause like actively sitting down to look at a book. I'm just like, I'm having like flashbacks to the Vietnam, <laughs> to like the intellectual Vietnam that was university. I'm just like, Oh Christ, this is awful.
1: I had no idea you studied that. That's really cool.
0: Yeah, man. I mean, it was it, one of those weird things. Cause you know, it, it really leads well into becoming a PT. <laughs> it was super, super cool but yeah it, it, it was one of those really weird things right so like so like my uh, my grandfather he served in he served in the war and i i don't know why but that was almost i think in a weird way like romantic for me in the way that
1: mm. it,
0: you you it's a very classic thing of he would not talk about the war but he had so many great stories that were attributed to his time in the service and you kind of, as a kid, you build up this romantic thing. And then before you know it, it's kind of like inbuilt into your system. Like, that's what you want to do. You want to go, you want to serve and you want to stand for something. And you want to have, you know, brothers all over the world and part of a community and something that's bigger than you. And um, it's one of those weird things where like, so I completely bombed out in one of my GCSEs in Spanish. So I was just like, yeah, I need a new A level. What am I going to do? So my mom said to me, I was like, well, essentially you're a nerd. Do you like theology? I was like, yeah, sure. Why not? So I ended up switching to do that for my A-levels, and um, I met this, uh, I met my teacher at the time, this guy called Dominic Markin. And this was like when the Iraq war and the Afghanistan conflict was going on, and we ended up having this big philosophical debate with each other about, um, you know, oh yeah, should, you, should we be out there? You know, should we really be imposing our sort of like Western ideals of democracy because we think it's the way that we should run the country and whatever. And before I knew it over the space of like a year, I was like, okay, cool. Well, that's my childhood dream shot. Brilliant. <laughs> cause there is, cause like, there's not this weird, like unifying evil, like say, say what you want about the second world war. Like there was a very clear objective on both sides. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I think that's very galvanizing for a lot of people. Like there's almost that like call to serve mm-hmm. as it were. and the more I thought about it, the more I was like, man, I do not agree with the reasons that were out there
1: uh, that's potentially one of the things like right now if uh, because they are struggling for recruits to the army, are they not if i if i if i'm reading in- into it correctly yeah. but in terms of when like right now it just seems like there is no there is no clear enemy like your clear enemy depends on what newspaper you've opened like okay. you You know like and that that definitely doesn't make you then want to stand for something for your for your country because there's no clear definitive like oh well that's the that's the thing i'm fighting it's it's such a gray area throughout the throughout the world you're like
0: "Hmm." yeah and and it's it's this really weird thing right where that then leads the question it's like are people becoming better at critical thinking or do we just not have a unifying cause and i think that's like a really weird question that we need to ask not just of our society but also of our educational system because if there's one thing that like i notice working with university students through Cardiff uni Mm -hmm. uh, is the fact that book smart oh my God, like some of these kids are absolutely ridiculous. Like what, 19-year-olds who are like talking to me about stuff and I'm there going, yeah, I know what you're talking about. You know, they go for a drink. And I quickly just like Google what they were just saying for the last 10 minutes. But like,
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: but at the same time, their ability to like think outside the box on certain subjects or be able to sort of really challenge the cognitive bias of what they think or what they've been told to think isn't really there
1: yeah
0: it's that kind of thing of like you know uh, truth is fact mm-hmm. it's like well it depends on who's telling the truth yeah and it's like it's that um it's that Neil deGrasse Tyson quote it's like truth is subjective but the facts are the facts whether you believe in them or not
1: <laughs> yeah you know what I mean yeah that's that, yeah that's very that's very good very true such a good point
0: so just a quick shameless plug in the middle of the episode for all the people who have helped make this podcast happen myself greg and jake all offer online coaching and what we understand is that while we agree on so many things as personal trainers we are each our own separate brands and not everything we say and everything we do is going to resonate for everyone and that is totally fine that's why i'm not here just promoting me just promoting greg just promoting Jake, but promoting all of us. All the information on how you can get in touch with us for online and hopefully when the coronavirus is over, in-person personal training will be available in the description box for this episode. If you need any help getting in touch with us, please do also follow up with the email address that will be in the description box and you can get hold of the get hold of myself directly and we'll forward on any information for anyone that you need. I hope this helps, and let's get back to the episode. So I've just realised we're like half an hour into this, and like no one actually knows who you are yet. So we should probably, as the worst podcasters of all time, go back, do an intro. So like, so Jake, as returning guest, tell the people who you are, other than f- deep philosophical thinker, deep squatter, coach the stars. <laughs> go. Uh,
1: so I am a personal trainer or coach is almost seems like the more modern term uh i mainly uh my i suppose my area of expertise is strength and powerlifting um and yeah i've been working in the fitness industry for 12 years uh and i've a little bit of background so i when i was 18 i went and did my like level two and level three and whatnot to become a to become a personal trainer i did my level three and i was like cool um I am more confused now than I was before I started Oh man, fact. And as a result, I didn't actually start personal training then until I was 22 because so I started in a gym as level two instructor. Um, and I wanted to kind of learn the ropes and have somebody like just show me the way, or numerous people, like, show me the way. So, yeah, I didn't actually start doing personal training until I was 22, which is, like, sort of eight years ago. And then um, six years ago, ended up getting into powerlifting and realized that that is a uh, a passion. might even go so far as to say it's a calling with the amount of injuries I've had and the fact that I still try to trudge on through and do it. <laughs>
0: I don't i don't think like anyone has ever truly loved a thing until they've been like okay i'm i'm okay with this hurting me like when my <laughs> time is done and they lay me down on that table and they try and find out what you know what ended me they're gonna cut me open and the rings like a tree being in half. <laughs> I'm, gonna have, yeah. I'm gonna have some fire damage and it's gonna be with love
1: yeah because no uh, yeah so I started like six years ago and we won't go through the list of injuries, but there have been a lot. And every time I have, the first thing that's on my mind is like, okay, so what can I do to get back to where I was? So yeah, that that's, it's just a thing. It's just a thing in me right now, powerlifting and squatting and deadlifting. And uh, I've got some love for bench, not enough, but some love.
0: So, I think that's the sign of a real powerlifter though. Like when they just hate bench. Like, I don't know a single power lifter that goes, man, you know what? I love me some bench press. I don't know a single one. But every gym, bro, under the sun is like, chest day every day.
1: Yeah. And, uh, yeah, the thing for me that I love is that it's, um, it's so clear. Uh, it's like you're getting stronger, bigger, full stop. Whereas, like, I think when I started in fitness, I didn't really have like a, a sort of clear goal yeah. Uh, for, for my own training. I was like, do I want to be bigger or do I want to be leaner? Uh, I want to be bigger. And then you start getting bigger and you go, no, I want to be leaner. And you start getting lean and you go, ah, but my t-shirts aren't as tight anymore. I want to be bigger. And I was just like, I was kind of like fluctuating through that. And then when, yeah, and then when it kind of powerlifting gave me that, that direction that was just like, well, this is, this is easy. I want to be, Heading in that direction, and I don't really have an end point, but I'm gonna keep fucking going that way because every time I go in and I'm doing a a squat session or a deadlift session, and it makes me question my decisions. That's like the reminder of why I do it.
0: Yeah, yeah, that definitely comes a point where it's just like, I love this more than I hate myself. (laughs) So I'm gonna take all my body issues and I'm gonna hang those up on a shelf. And I'm just gonna keep going at this.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And the the really like ironic thing was that once once I had started, my body just like transformed. And I was like, Oh for fuck's sake, here's the physique I was looking for. <laughs> <Yes. And> it...
0: <laughs> it's so true. And like I I have been in the best shape trying not to be in shape. You know what I mean? <laughs> Yeah. It's like, oh man, I got a I got a quad sweep, and I actually have like something that looks like a delt, only on one side though. You know, singular. But I was like, <laughs> wow, this is this is mad. All the all the uh, all the dieting and all the um, and all the endless amounts of lateral raises and curls. Like, no, no, no. What I just needed was a clear a clear training path. Who knew? Stronger equals bigger. Who knew?
1: <laughs> so yeah, and then that has that has led me to do some assistant coaching with GB. So I've been very fortunate to do uh, go to like World Championships, European Championships and things like that and, and do the assistant coaching um, there, which is so good. I absolutely love going on the international scene. Um, yeah, that, that's that's been a real like a real joy because it's really cool when you're on the international scene because you have individual medals for each lift, whereas like nationally or locally you have a medal for somebody who has the biggest total but then when you go internationally you'll have a medal for biggest squat biggest bench biggest deadlift and then biggest overall yeah so um there's like a few more things you can kind of juggle with and play the game
0: man i so inflammatory question mm. what do you enjoy more now that you've like coached on the international scene do you enjoy coaching more or do you enjoy competing more
1: Mm. Mm. i've i've coached like so much more than i've competed in the last well make it yeah right like two three years like the ratio of coaching to to compete in has just like gone wildly in the coaching because i think in the last three years i've done two maybe three comps whereas like uh in 2019 I think I went to his sab and I were trying to work this out a couple of months ago. I think it was about 21 competitions.
0: Jesus Christ.
1: And that was like, yeah, that was like just in, in 2019. So yeah, we're probably, probably be the, the coaching. Um, yeah, it, it, it is so much fun. And when you go to an international, when you, you're not with people who you have trained up to that point, Yeah, you know, you've just like, you've, you've met them maybe on that day or maybe you've met them at previous competitions. Um, but that's still really exciting because they they are still in, putting a, a level of trusting you that you know what you're doing. Um, I definitely get like more nervous coaching than I would ever get competing. Like, yeah. That, like, that.
0: I, I completely get that. I mean, it, cause that's the thing. It's like, you've now got this person whose hopes dreams and also like weirdly, more importantly, safety is completely <laughs> in your hands. Like, I, don't, yeah. I don't think anyone really like, I don't think anyone understands like the, the fear that one has when you send someone onto the platform or into the field of whatever athletic endeavor they're doing. And you're like, Oh man, I hope they make me look good by making themselves look good.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, I definitely get more nervous uh at uh, uh, coaching. But yeah, I think I think coaching would, would outweigh my own competing now. You know, my my own competing is something that's very much taken a, a back seat. So I did a a comp in December, which was awesome. It was the it was my best competition to date. It was my best total to date. I had a PB on all three lifts. Um and again, you know, you kind of always learn something every time you do it. The amount of training I did in the run up to it was so minimal. So, so minimal. I was doing, in the last eight weeks, I was doing squat and deadlift once a week, and it would be between one and three sets. Like that was it, which for a powerlifter is so alien. There's so many powerlifters who would do you know five six seven sets of something maybe even twice a week sometimes even like three times a week so to walk away with the pb and so little is is that like that's the that's the jewel that we're always trying to like strive for in, in um in powerlifting it's like you want to get the most from doing the least yeah um that is that is something that has been lost which was something that I think I was going to rant about on my podcast at some point in that there's like this massive drive towards you should do more sets. Oh, and you should do more frequency. Oh yeah. Okay, cool. But now you've just like done way more than you were doing previously. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be fine. Cause you just got to keep doing more volume. Volume is king. And like, no, recovery is king. Then it's, then it's volume like things.
0: Yeah. And that's the thing is that like, I like. I have always firmly subscribed to the belief that there's no such thing as overtraining. There's just under recovering. Caveat: the the scope of what you need to recover from said volume, whether you are, you know, assisted chemically and or otherwise, is huge. It's and it's so varied from individual to individual. So oh, yeah. it's just yeah. like listening to your body because. I think people get so locked down on, like you said, that concept of like, what is my maximal recoverable volume? What is my minimal effective volume? What's my maximal frequency? It's just like, dude, just slow down. Are you, are you sleeping? How's your food? (laughs) You know, it it talk, I I say this to like a load of my, um, a load of my male clients, just like, do you wake up in the morning with a hard on? Like do you have like but that's the thing like do you wake up are you happy hungry and horny because like you get do you wake up every day with a diagnostic of like am I good today? No, okay, then probably <laughs> scale back a little bit because like, and and I think that I don't know and I think maybe you'll agree with this if not then just tell me to shut up and then we'll 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 get into it but I think that. Because people get into this weird, like, I'm a powerlifter or I'm a weightlifter or I'm a CrossFitter identity. It's almost like the validity of that identity is Mm -hmm. totally built on a house of cards that is entirely um, consistent of, of, of how much they're training. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, oh yeah, I smashed it this day. And I've, I've done Fran three times this week. You know, it's just like whatever their chosen menta- mentality or modality is, it's like if, if they aren't constantly driving that thing to the nth degree, then it means that they're lesser. Oh yeah, like you're more of a power lifter than me because you're more fucked up than me. Like that's, mm-hmm. I, I don't know, that's just the, the mentality I seem to see. There is,
1: there, is like a, there is like a weird separation between the three. Like, you go into a gym and then, like, you will... Whether the gym is separated into, like, a weightlifting, a CrossFit section or not, like, those people will, like, congregate to their own little areas amongst themselves where they feel safe anyway. And uh, a funny thing is, if if you say to, like... If you say to a powerlifter, um, oh, I, yeah, I want you to do, like, 20 minutes on the watt bike, they're like, well, what the fuck is this? Is this CrossFit?
0: <laughs> yeah, <it's laughs> so true.
1: You know, like, fuck, no, it's not... But yeah, identity is a big thing because, um, yeah, my friend I was telling you about earlier who we kind of share the books with, he um, he's often like saying to me, he's like, you don't have to do squat and you don't have to do deadlift and you don't have to do those big three uh, because I've kind of like been so injured over the last couple of years. I'm like, nah, yeah, I know, I know. And like, I kind of made peace with or not made peace with, but I found an easier way of. If, if i think of myself as somebody who enjoys powerlifting as opposed to a powerlifter was like a huge turning point but i was like nevertheless i was like yeah you don't get it like like if my like I'll, when my as soon as my body feels like it's slightly ready like i'll be back under the bar to do a squat or deadlift like it's just i'll just naturally gravitate back towards it so i was like i've already separated the identity side of that and um I kind of had to like four years ago when I was like, had like, what are the worst injuries um, that I've had? And uh, it's something that I try, I'll have that conversation with clients sometimes. If I feel like they're getting a bit too absorbed into it and they're attaching too much emotion to sessions, you're like, look, if you had a bad session, it doesn't mean that you're a shit powerlifter. It's okay. And, um, yeah, if I see people sort of falling down that rabbit hole of, of like weighing their emotions wildly on their sessions, I'll sort of try to address the identity. That's where I think it kind of stems from good or a bad session is like equals a good or a bad power lifter. And it's like, no, 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 you're still the same person. You're just somebody who enjoys powerlifting. You had a rough day at the office. You don't yeah. need to like, <laughs> you don't need to read into it any more than that. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I I've I've definitely been going through that with with lockdown because I I've got a very similar setup to you in terms of I've got like a squat rack, I've got some plates, I've got a bar, I've got all that jazz. But I still find my my training motivation or you know, how much and when I do train I find like, oh yeah, I'm really motivated, let's hit it if I don't have, a, uh, if I have a, like a lackluster session or I have something that doesn't necessarily match up to my expectations or my own sort of like motivations, it, it's weirdly started to affect me in a way that it never did when I was in a gym environment.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, how have you found sort of training yourself? Because I mean, like in terms of training your clients, I think mm. every personal trainer can just agree we're doing everything that we can. Yeah. But in terms of you, Like as a coach and as, and, and as someone who quote unquote should know better, what, how are things going for you?
1: Um, So I, I do find training at home really hard, uh, being able to flick between, so for us it's in our dining room. And so to try to change the mindset of like, this is my dining room and this is where we normally eat and play board games to this is where this is now the gym. Um, I have really struggled with and I had like a few things that helped me, uh, which was we don't have anything to do any cardio on. So my warm up would be I would go put a podcast on and I would go for like a 10 minute walk. And then during that time I would try to think about okay, what is it that I'm gonna do in today's session to try to help like flip it. Um and then you know, I tried uh I tried putting a speaker on really loud and having like loud music and I thought, yeah, that'll be good. And then I was like, no, I just feel awkward for my neighbors. So (laughs) I put my headphones in and it was just like, ah, this is better. Okay, I can crank it up as much as I want. And I don't feel like I'm affecting anyone else. But all of that aside, it's still really freaking hard to train at home. And um, I've probably had like the longest period off lifting weights that I've ever had. Uh, despite having very good access to a squat rack and a barbell in my house. It's really fucking weird. Like it's there and I'll wait in the morning. I'll be like, I'm really looking forward to training today. What time am I going to train? I'm going to do it at 11. 11 comes. and I'm like, Oh, I'll do it at 12. And then I'm like, oh, I'll do it when? So what I've actually started doing in the last two weeks is, is having like, um like fail saves. So I've had like my, I always tend to do a really thorough warm-up. So on days where I'm putting it off and I'm putting it off and I'm putting it off, I'll just say, okay, just just do your warm-up. And if I do my warm-up and it feels like shit, I'll just repeat that maybe another two or three rounds. And then I won't even train, like I won't even do my session. And so then I'm like, okay, so I was going to have like a 90-minute session of uh, a deadlift variation and some sort of like pressing variation. And instead it just became a series of mobility, kettlebell swings, goblet squats, maybe some press-ups that I ran through like three times in about 20 minutes and then I'll walk away. And I kind of like had to make peace with like, that's about as much as I could mentally like drive myself to do. So I, yeah. What, what about you? What, so you've got a, you've got a bar and I know you're doing some kettlebell stuff, right?
0: Yeah, I'm doing some kettlebell stuff. Um, so that's that's been good. I mean... For me, it's kind of the same thing, and I think one of the key things that you mentioned there is the fact that it's like this is what I can mentally bring myself to do. It's not, it's not physical, like mm-hmm. like I know you've had injuries and whatever, but like none mm-hmm. of us are hurt right now. You know what I mean? We're um, you know, bit you know being semi-retired, strength. <laughs> it's a case of like. I've never had more time available to lift, but I find it very mentally taxing. And it's one of those things where like, I have never really enjoyed, like I, I'm very, very selective with training partners in terms of like, I've trained with you, I've trained with Sabs, um, I've trained with like a select group of people who I know like we're going to have a great time. Like not only are we going to get on, but we're very similar minded in terms of you know, working hard and just like getting on with it. But I never appreciated how much I'm a creature of my environment and not being in a gym is something that has massively, um, I don't know, thrown my mojo, I guess. Mm -hmm. Like it's been so much harder. As you've said, like switching that mindset of like, okay, this isn't my dining room. This is my gym. Mm. Whereas for me, the way my place is set up, like my my, my desk is next to my squat rack. There's next to my sofa. There's next to my bookcase. There's next, <laughs> to me. and then I've got my like coaching space in the middle of the in the middle of the whole um, the whole living room. You know what I mean? So everything is just jam packed into one room, and I'm going, man, I literally can't get away from this.
1: Like, yeah,
0: where where there used to be my coffee table and books and stuff like that, I've now got a exercise mat and four kettlebells. It's just. It's a I, weird I, thing. I, I
1: think i think it would be i think for me anyway it would be slightly easier if we had a garage or some or something else it's out, not outside but like a like a summer house where we could put it because then it's like removed from the house yeah and also i wouldn't be so nervous about bumping stuff so our squat rack is like two feet from sabrina's piano
0: so uh. <laughs> uh, that gives me such anxiety just hearing that
1: yeah, 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 and like she um <laughs> she like squatted a ridiculous amount the other day, and I'm like, oh my God, you are like twelve inches from the piano with like hundred sixty kilo holy oh, shit,
0: Oh my God, amazing. Hey, Sap squatted 160
1: Yeah, in our dining room on a, on her own the other day, yeah yeah, which is which is uh, an equal PB.
0: Oh my God. <laughs> I just I just can't I just can't wrap my head around how strong Sabrina is so like I I feel like now that that you've like thrown out that number you need to give some context for like who Sabrina is and just how 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 immensely strong she is
1: she is the uh, she is the British champion uh, for the 63 kilo class she's done Worlds twice I want to say, and she's done a few European competitions as well. So yeah, in terms of the UK, she is most definitely up there. She, this year was a milestone because she finally got a 200 kilo deadlift in competition uh, at the British Women's Championship. So she hit 200.5. Oh my God. And then about... I think about six weeks ago. So she's similar in that her training at home has been hit or miss. But I think for her versus mine, her ups and her downs are bigger. So for me, mine's been like, I would say like downish, and then like up-ish. Whereas when she's been up, you know, like she squatted 160. And then she had a massive deadlift PB uh, just like out of the blue. She hit 197 for a triple. What?! Yeah, which is what? bonkers. It's insane.
0: Oh, my God.
1: The, the week before, she was in, like, 140 for, like, a couple sets of three. And I was like, where the fuck f- 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 did this come from? <laughs> uh,
0: I love the surprise PB. Oh, my God.
1: However, she is, like, one of her, one of her really good qualities is that she, she doesn't have any fear of time off certainly for powerlifters they have a fear of like missing out like if i don't squat and if i don't deadlift it automatically equals going backwards yeah um and yeah she's very good at realizing that like oh doesn't feel very comfortable today i'm gonna do some kettlebell swings and then i'm gonna stop um so she's very good at doing that so full hopefully she'll listen to this and full credit to her for that because that is something that that we both try to instill in um, in the people that we coach, but it's definitely a it's a hard pill to swallow, particularly with like social media, because you're like, oh, what? I know I had a shit session, and I had to take a day off, and then you go on social media and you see like, oh, but this person had a PB, and you're like, fuck, why can't I do that? Um, but of course, you only ever see people's best on social media.
0: Hmm. Comparison is the thief of joy, my friend. Like and, it, and it's so true. Like it's one of those things where it's like, I, so I, I took a very self-imposed hiatus from, um, from social media just because I think, like everyone else, it was a case of, you know, Boris shuts down the gym, and then every personal trainer and you know and their mum is going, oh crap, what now? And everyone had that weird sort of snakes and ladders style shift between you know am i working what's going on how am i going to adapt my business and whatever by the time the dust settles and you get sort of like you know a month down the line to a month and a half two months it's only then that you finally get to go how did this affect me like personally how did this affect me and like i've been very fortunate and don't get me wrong this is not me sort of trying to complain about my first world problems Mm. because i'm very fortunate in the way that like i've maintained a lot of my business everything is still going forward Um, you know, and I, I, I can still pay my rent every month. You know, that's, that's it. Like I'm in a very fortunate position, but at the same time, I felt like while everyone else was, had gone through their weird sort of grief, grieving phase for what life once was, I found that I was going through that afterwards when they were all sort of like, yeah, cool. This is just what happens now. You know, yeah, isolation, bit of a shitter, but here we are and i was there going oh my god how did we get to this situation so i just took some time off social media now that like i'm trying to come back to it i'm just like man it is so hard like how did we do this for a living <laughs> how did we social media every day
1: yeah i hard? um and social media at the moment is yeah i uh, I I removed Facebook for for a little short period of this, and then I I got it back because trying to post things into your groups uh, via Safari on an iPhone, they make it so fucking difficult that you have to install the app.
0: Yeah, so if if Apple are listening to this, <laughs> they better get learned because if you're saying it and I'm saying it, like, and I'm an avid Google Chrome user for this exact reason, it's so it's like, tough. Nope.
1: Um. But yeah, I I did find myself like there was just a lot of people having different views and it it was just like uh, people try to talk in such absolutes. And I was like, I get, I was like getting really frustrated by it. And then I was like wanting to wade in on like things, conversations or like statuses. And I was like, this is not good. Like I do not need to to do this. Um, So yeah, I I removed it for for a bit because yeah, the world just seems like it's ablaze right now
0: oh yeah like i i look at 2020 as a whole and i'm like this is the chinese year of the dumpster fire like it has, <laughs> just, been, it has just been the worst like from like january um australia's on fire February, Trump starches some Iranian general, and nearly starts World War Three. March, coronavirus, and it just keeps getting worse. Like, did you see? Like, they've um, they've got the actual bupo- uh, bubonic plague in China.
1: Yeah, and the bra- what's the the brainy end thing in uh, California that, that someone had? Uh, I can't remember what it's what it's called now.
0: Oh, I, I, you know what? Like,
1: I- it was. I was like, really. <laughs>
0: I mean, next to, next to President Yeezus, Kanye 2020, I, just don't, I don't know what else America needs to have its problems. Like, I genuinely thought in terms of like, the weird stuff that could happen in America, I'd seen it all with um, murder hornets.
1: Yeah, shit. Trump.
0: Yeah, Trump. And then that one time there was an actual tornado at sea that dropped a shark on someone like legit <laughs> sharknado like after that i was like right america you are you are the land of impossibilities and dreams like you've had it that's it you can't you can't surprise me and then kanye comes out of the works and i'm just like what yeah
1: no let, let's not run that let's not run down that jeez I you know can... like um with the uh, like going back to the coronavirus right uh you know what i, I find I'll... so frustrating in the uk is like scotland and england having separate stuff like uh, so as we sit here recording this this is the day after england has, has announced that england gyms can open meanwhile wales is still like six weeks behind yet well that makes no sense because like i could just go to bristol and go to the gym and then drive back like if you, I, i'm okay with the gyms being closed if you keep them closed right the uk But if you close them in Wales and you open them in England, what you're essentially saying is that, hey, personal trainers in England, you're going to pay for the furlough of us in Wales. Thank you. Yeah. Brilliant.
0: (laughs) Yeah, the the whole management has just been absolutely horrendous. And, you know, I just... If it, if, so here's the thing, Like, if, if, if the four nations approach was going to be done properly, then it should be a case of, right, the place that is having the least bad time should be the one that begins to open the fastest, right? <laughs> yeah. As opposed to England with the highest rate of the four nations just going, you know what? It's the Hunger Games. Let's go. <laughs> Just release lockdown, open. Like, the, that's the thing. Like, the minute people, um, Rishi Sunak was just like, right, let's, start Rishi Sunak, uh, when Boris was just like, right, I'll see you all at the pub, I literally felt like everyone was just suddenly just going, I declare myself as tribute. It's like, let it begin. May the odds be ever in your favor. Like, it's just mad. Like, did you see the, um, the videos of, of um, what Soho and the rest of London looked like on Super Saturday? Yeah.
1: I was yeah, I saw the picture of Soho oh. and I was like, this is busier than if there was a festival.
0: <laughs> what the fuck? Oh, it's absolutely mad. And, and that's the thing is that like, I, I, I'm go, I go through this weird swing where like, after everything I've seen during the coronavirus with the Black Lives Matter movement, um, everything that's going on in America and also what's going on in the UK. Like I, I'm filled with really distinct moments of so much hope that the world is actively changing, growing, learning, and being made better by the fact that we've got younger people who are stepping forward and saying, this is not right. The way in which the country is being run is not right. The way in which um, racism is institutionalized is not right. The way in which we have um, just the entire sort of like weird white supremacist structure of both the US and the UK is not right and then on the other side we have people at bournemouth on bournemouth (laughs) and and we've got boris johnson pulling us out of the eu vaccine collective because no we're going to get brexit done like it's just i have moments where i'm like i have so much hope and then moments of complete desperation where i'm just like right that's it stop the planet i want to get off Yeah, aliens haven't invaded us why would they want to
1: well yeah i mean they'd catch corona themselves
0: well exactly Exactly. I, um, it's like an M night Shyamalan movie. We were the virus all along.
1: <laughs> but yeah, I think I think we are.
0: <laughs> <laughs> absolutely.
1: I mean, certainly for plants and animals we are.
0: Oh God. It's just Man, it's just it's just mad. Like I, I sometimes just think I just look at the world and I'm like, this is absolutely mental. Like I can see why people keep searching for cat videos on YouTube because you just need something to get you through the work, get you through the day.
1: I, um, as it, when you are saying about training, you know, I was thinking about that. So like, not about cat videos, but things to get you through the day. So we're really lucky. We live, uh, we live kind of in the middle of nowhere. We've got a lot of woodland right by the house. Um, and I really like mountain biking. So that has been like a large portion of my training. Yeah. No, uh, it's not even training. Like I would say, if I go out on my bike um, and I'm riding through the woods, I get like some of my best thinking done then. So, like uh, I make like a lot of voice notes when I'm out on my bike because I'm like, ooh, content idea, or ooh, idea for this client, or ooh, this would help somebody's diet. Um, yeah, the, the so our location has been something that's been really really good for my health or mental health. Yeah. Um, I think I would have struggled had I been in a, in a city I've kind of always lived like just outside of cities anyway so that's having this bit of woodland by the house and having there's actually uh, some purpose built mountain bike trails like about 20 minutes down the road having those there fuck this has just made me go like this is where I want to live so I'm like super fortunate to be where I am and uh, that time spent in the woods is so like euphoric <laughs> it's been oh, yeah. so valuable and the amount of people that like have now taken up cycling walking running is insane
0: oh yeah i mean and and that's thing i definitely fall into that collective like so i've, I've always like had I've, n- I've always had bikes like i've mountain biked you know for most of my life but like more trail stuff because i'm a complete wuss and the idea of going downhill just terrifies me like anything that you anything that you look at me and say right you need a full face mask i'm like <laughs> nah romeo out i'm done but so i got an old road bike that i did up and i started getting into that so i've become one of i become one of those like coronavirus bib wearing <laughs> cutting about but um yeah man it's just it's so weird how like i've, I've found very few things next to training that um, really plays to my N plus one personality. So, like, after fixing up the road bike and being like, "Well, I mean, that was hard, but it wasn't that hard." Do I reckon I could build a bike from scratch? Like <laughs> that. So I was like, "Well, I'm not. I'm not going to mess around with gears." But like, I'm going to try and build a single speed. I'm going to try and build a single speed bike. Oh, I love I it. Like, oh, mate! I'll, I'll send you a picture of it once it's done. I only finished it the other day, but it is honestly like it's given me such a weird sense of pride.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Saying, no, I like that.
0: I made that. Like, yeah, it doesn't have gear, so it's essentially a children's bike. <laughs> Being like, <laughs> no, I attached a brake cable.
1: You know, I reckon uh, I reckon once we do get these gyms open in Wales, that there will be, uh, I reckon maybe like three months after they've been opened, we'll have like the January influx.
0: Because okay. there's going to
1: be so many people who want to go back to the gym, but who are fear into not going because... If you read anything online, it's like you are going to die if you step outside of your house without a mask. So there'll be like a period where people are going to be too scared. Um, but yeah, I reckon they'll just be, I reckon we'll have like a big old influx. Um, and the cool thing with our job as well, right, is um, people now are going to value their health more than they possibly ever have. So I think we're, we're in a, we are in our roles, we're in a tough time. But I think the other side of this will be the best time and possibly the best time for a long time.
0: Yeah, I hope so. And, and that's the thing, you know, I talk about this a lot when you know the rare times that I do go on social media, but I talk about it when I, with my clients and, you know, on my checking groups is that there never has there been a time in which in the public consciousness has your health mattered more because like, we like, we've known there's an obesity crisis in this country for years, but no one's really done anything about it. I mean, like, look mm-hmm. at like Pokemon Go, the creators of that have done more to fight childhood obesity and adult obesity than, any, than Michelle Obama, anything, <laughs> like any bike to work scheme. It doesn't matter what it is. Pokemon Go nailed it. But we're definitely in a time where like, if you have survived The coronavirus, from a business standpoint, as a personal trainer, it's going to be a brave new world out there because think about how many crap trainers aren't coming back. Unfortunately, how many good ones also aren't coming back. Yeah. Which is also really sad. But as with any sort of Darwin esque, you know, cataclysmic event, it's those that adapt that survive. And I think it's going to be a really exciting, brave new world. Yeah, when we're done. You know, when this is over and we start return to the gyms, and you know, God knows what that's going to look like with, you know, changing your gloves and mask every session. And well,
1: but, like certainly, certainly right now, like there's no reason why you can't have a gym solely open to personal trainers. Like there's just no reason why that can't happen, and um, that might be the way that they have to be for a while. Which then. Puts our services up another notch again.
0: Yeah, exactly. But I think then, there, but then there comes like this really weird thing, right? Where you, so let's say that gets put in, and that's that weird zeitgeist shifting moment where it's like, right, suddenly the masses need personal training. Like, do your prices go up or do they go down? Do you advertise to the masses or do you advertise to the select? I mean, it's mm-hmm. you get put in that really weird shifting, like yeah, marketability, where you're just like, well, man, what next? Mm. Like what do I do from here? And it, like, it's it's going to be really exciting times for sure. But it's um yeah, it's just it. I can't even fathom what the industry is going to look like after this, except everyone's going to be wearing masks.
1: You know, like the mask thing. I'm like, there's there's no consensus on like yay or nay, and I think some of the more learned people that I would have sought out advice from, it's like, there's no science that says like a definitive either way, but it's like wearing one, well, this is the thing. Some people are saying wearing one is going to put you in a safer position, i.e. you're not sweating. But then there's others that are saying if you are wearing one, and you have something and you keep inhaling into the mask, that you have a possibility of making it worse. And like, there's just so much that's like unknown right now, uh, which is really fucking scary, like not, not having like a definitive, like you have to wear a mask or you don't need to wear a mask or if you do wear a mask, it will make it worse or it will not make it worse.
0: Yeah, and I think the big thing though, is the fact that people are, I think people when they talk about the whole mask thing, they're talking about it from a standpoint of, okay, so I need to wear this thing all the time as opposed to, mm-hmm. well, should you just be wearing it when you go into shops? Should you be wearing it when you're going to be in close proximity to other people? Is it okay just to cut about the street where you're not in contact with anyone and still obeying social distancing and mm-hmm. not have it on? Um, for, from my standpoint, at least from what I've read, it's very much a case of if you are young, fit and healthy and you're sort of excluding, the you know the what h- however tragic the very small percent chance that you are going to be one of the young fit healthy people that does get affected by it in a negative way you're better off having it and it potentially doing something as opposed to not having it and definitely needing it
1: um so <laughs> i i kind of got into a facebook debate with somebody yesterday which i really shouldn't have um which don't was see the, uh,
0: about see the trolls man
1: <laughs> which was which was about Sweden and basically he had like shared an article and it was like, uh, I can't remember what it was in. It might've been the times and it was like, Oh, Sweden is, Sweden is a warning to the world because Yes, I saw uh, the Sweden. Okay. So, and then I was like, it, cause it said Sweden, Sweden's deaths had spiked. Okay. So Sweden had had like 5,000 and something deaths. And I was like, right. Because they, they didn't have a lockdown. It was like, but have you looked at those age groups? because of the 5,500 people that had died, those under the age of 60 was 224. So, and, like, two over 2,500 of those 5,000 deaths were in the 70 to 80 range, which is, like, what you expected. Yeah, I guess that's fully what's expected. And, like, it's still not as bad as the UK, and they didn't have a lockdown. Like... Yeah. Uh, so I was like, it's not as clear. So basically I was arguing with this guy because he was like, well, here is the clear facts that, you know, we have to have a lockdown continuing. And I was like, it's not a clear fact, like look a bit deeper, you know, like, and I'm not saying that we shouldn't have had a lockdown, but what I'm saying is that like, it's more nuanced than you are trying to make out. And
0: Yeah. And, and that's why I think like, once again, this shows what we were talking about earlier, that the sheer lack in that ability to critically think about where data has come from, where different sources are coming from. Um, And also I think like the the big elephant in the room that no one's really speaking about, right. Is that yes, Sweden lost those people within that age range, which obviously completely tragic. Mm. Any loss of life in this regard is tragic, but they're not statistically anomalous. Whereas in the UK, you've got people who are age range wise, statistically anomalous, but they have underlying health conditions and it's, the lack of fitness the obesity mm-hmm. epidemic and it's just it just seems to be like everyone is dancing around the room and dancing around this issue of look at the general state of wellness and health in sweden versus us. Mm-hmm. yeah you know that's the thing. But, yeah like they have a much healthier populace
1: yeah yeah and the other thing when when you do like when we do start to get a little bit more relaxed like people's immune systems are going to be weakened because they haven't been out every day exposed to other things not not you know not not just the the thing but like
0: so much other shit you could catch (laughs) Uh, yeah and that's it it's just like what what are we setting ourselves up for you know and 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 that's the thing you know as much as it's very easy for us to like rag on Boris Johnson and the government. Like I wouldn't want that job. Hell no. I would not want that job. Like, you know, that whole thing of like more money, more problems. It's like more power, infinitely more problems. (laughs) I'm like, yeah, it's, it's awful. But really like, it seems that the countries that have done the best out of this fall into one of two categories. Either they were previously affected by SARS and MERS and obviously had precautions in place because of that. Like you look at Taiwan, Singapore, they've just, it it almost seemed like they went, Oh cool. Time to press the pandemic button, I guess. And everything just flipped a switch and there they were in, they were involved and they got out of it quicker than we did. Or it falls into the other category of countries that were better prepared because they, invested in the public health 10 20 years ago or mm. they actively listened when you know the world health organization or various independent um analysis of like the preparedness of the country what, to handle yeah
1: what was coming and
0: yeah and that's the thing it just seems like all the countries that have come out of the, out of this the best are the ones that prepared 20 10 20 years ago they were ahead of the curve
1: it's so funny we've We've come on to talking fit, and we've we've done like forty-five minutes of philosophy and coronavirus. Oh,
0: man, I, know, but I think that's brilliant. Like that's the thing. Like there's, yeah. I w- I want the podcast to like talk about <laughs> fitness and stuff like that, but it can't just be that. Like you know what I mean? Like yeah. 're We're going we're gonna to plug your services at the end, and you know there's going to be a break in the middle where I'm going to like edit in and go like, "Oh yeah, for more information about Jake and Rogan and all our services, blah blah, blah 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 blah, check out in the comments section below. but I just I don't know, I think it's one of those things where if there's one thing I've, if there's one thing I've learned from like consuming endless hours of podcasts over this is that people like long form and they like it when people go on tangents, and you know, like people know who you are, Jake. Like, not to like big time you or anything, but people know who you are. People know who I am. They know what we do. We're personal trainers. If they want more information about our services, then, you know, they can talk because ultimately, I think you and I are very similar in the way that it's like, it's not about your philosophy or my philosophy on how we get X done. It's about what the client actually needs and what's going to work for them.
1: Yeah. And with, um, it's like, it's called personal training because, like, most, you know, not nine tenths of what a personal trainer says is the same. The difference is the person. And like by doing these uh by doing these podcasts, like it's really cool because people get to know you as a person rather than like you as a trainer. Yeah. Um and that's and that's essentially what people people buy your personal training but they stay around because of who you are. And uh by doing this they they get ahead of the curve and they get to find out who you are ahead of buying. Which, yeah. is, which is really, really valuable. And um, I did like on my, on the last episode, actually, I think it's like one of the few times where I've done something on like social media and stuff where I've been a bit vulnerable. So I spent the first couple of minutes like saying why I hadn't been around for two weeks and why I hadn't posted anything and why I hadn't done any podcasts, I hadn't posted anything on uh, Donut Barbell and that sort of stuff. And it was really fun fucking weird to be like hey this is me i've fucking struggled uh and um i spoke to a client yesterday who and you might have had this with some of your clients like when the lockdown first started some clients were really receptive to hey listen whatever i need to do i'm with you just tell me i'll i'll do zoom that's cool and then i had like a few clients and it's totally understandable they were just like listen i spent my day looking at a computer screen I I don't really don't want to train over zoom. I don't want to spend more time than trying to figure shit out by looking over zoom. Yeah. I was like, that's cool. Like, you know, you, you got your thing. I've got my thing. That's fine. Anyway. So I spoke to her yesterday and she said, you know, if I'm honest, I haven't done anything for about six to eight weeks and I feel like shit and blah, 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 blah. And I said, look, I had, I think I had like 12 days of no training. Uh, just felt like shit. I really felt like shit. Couldn't be asked to do it. And she was like, oh my God, that made me feel so much better to know that the people who do the training as a fucking lifestyle struggle.
0: Yeah, I know.
1: Well, then little of me struggling, it's okay. Uh, Yeah.
0: Yeah, and and that's the thing. is that like, it's, you you know, like white lab coat syndrome where you basically go like, well, that's a person of authority. So I'm going to put them up on this pedestal because, you know, they know what they're talking about. I just, I find it really strange that, in a profession where like, we don't have the white lab coat and we essentially go to work in expensive pyjamas.
1: Yeah, I was gonna say shorts, I fucking love love
0: shorts. Oh, yeah, shorts and expensive pyjamas. <laughs> like, we have that almost man or woman on the pedestal effect for our clients where they're like, oh yeah, they get this right all the time. They do this all the time. And it's that like, no, I'm, I'm a person just like you. It just means that like, I have to take one to two less steps emotionally or mentally or whatever to get to the gym than you Mm. i'm not i'm not a superhuman like i struggle with my like training motivation and mentality all the goddamn time and that's before lockdown
1: Mm.
0: i was like it was this weird thing where i was looking back on like some of my best sessions and i was like why the hell before coronavirus did i ever have like training imposter syndrome where it's like, oh, am I really that strong? Am I really that mobile? Am I actually a good coach? Am I going to be here? It's like, yes, you're, you're fine. It's like now, during a pandemic, is the time to have some introspection and go through a bit of like, oh, well, I guess I should work through this. As opposed to back then. <laughs> or you're like, you know, you walk out a 170 squat and you're like, oh man, am I actually even strong? <laughs> yeah,
1: I'm with you. Yeah. I like, I like when you say that for us, it is, we are just we do struggle, but we are just a couple steps ahead. Like it's less, there's less barriers to us doing stuff. That's been the big thing for me. that's like training at home. I'm just like, I'm constantly just trying to think like, what is, and I'm still trying to figure it out. Actually, I'm trying to still figure out what is my barrier? What is the thing that's making me go look at my gym in air quotations and go, uh, fuck it. Like I, I and because if you're with a client who's who works like insane hours and you're like hey listen in the night you need to go for for a run and they're like it's really hard you go yeah well, i get that you've been sat at a computer screen for the last 10 12 hours there's that's that's obviously like the barrier like you're tired you're fatigued. but for me i'm looking at it i'm like i'm literally like looking at the bar and I'm going, what is my barrier you fuck <laughs> yes I, I don't know what my barrier is i just can't fucking do it so I'm going to go for a walk. And before I've gone for the walk, I'm sat down on YouTube. Fuck.
0: Yeah. And you just fall down a <laughs> hole. And, and that's the thing. Like, <laughs> I, I kind of, so I, I kind of make this akin to what my mum, when she was like, so my mum was a chef. Um, and one of the things she used to talk about was having like, cooking fatigue. So like, you do all this cooking, you do whatever, and then, you know, on your days off, the last thing you want to do is cook for yourself or anyone, and it's not that you're tired. It's not that you're drained from your shift. It's not that you've had a bad day. You're on your day off. The birds are shi- The birds are the birds are shining. The sun is shining. The birds are singing. And everything's great, and you just could not think of anything worse than cooking for yourself. And I think for us, it is. I think it's a bit like. I think it's very much like that. But also, I think mm. like. I don't know. I, I, I can't really remember a time in the last 10 years where I've not been in a gym consistently. And I think it's one of those things where like, it's almost your body going, Hey man, it's okay to take your, take your foot off the gas. Like it's okay. Mm. And in force yeah. deload, if you will.
1: Yeah. I, I, <laughs> it's funny when you, when you do the other things like i started walking and i was like ah oh, it's really fucking boring and sabrina's like walking's lovely so then we started um or when we go for a walk together i was like i'm gonna take a rucksack with some weight in it why just to make walking a bit more interesting uh it's like it's like that n plus one thing i'm like how can i do this to the nth degree let's go yeah,
0: this but worse or this but better <laughs>
1: And then I did it for like three weeks in a row, and I was like, "Fuck, my shoulders are killing me." She was like, "Stop walking with a heavy rucksack." There, and I was like, "Fuck, yeah, yeah." I just, yeah, I take take things like just too far.
0: (laughs) But I think, I I think it's um a, oh god, what's the word? I, I think that's it's part of the reason why you and I are good at our jobs is the fact that we do have that personality of like, right? How do we make things better? How do we make things harder? How do we, you know how do we keep progressing this in one way or another? And then this, this like, oh God, my shoulders hurt. Uh," Is the price that you pay for having that type of personality?
1: (laughs) Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure.
0: It's like, um, did you, did you ever watch the, uh, the Joe Rogan episode with, um, with Elon Musk?
1: Uh, I've only ever seen like, Oh, I have listened to like snippets of it.
0: Yeah. Well that, did, did you hear the bit where they, um, where he uh, Rogan basically asked him like hey how can people be more like you elon and elon just like stops looks at him just like you wouldn't want to be me i can't <laughs> i can't turn this off
1: that's sick
0: yeah but i'm like okay cool that is a man <laughs> who knows himself like you know i think when you have people like that where you know they are up in the rarefied air like you got to think like what what makes them able to get there and not me? Because fundamentally, like, there isn't, like, genetically speaking, there's not a huge variance between Elon and I. It's like 0.5% or something mental in mm-hmm. each human. And If there's a geneticist out there listening to this randomly because of our varied audience, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but there's very little difference genetically between one human to the next. So what is it? in terms of brain chemistry, personality, upbringing, nature, nurture, what is it that gets that guy up there? That outlier where most of us just have to stay in the middle of the bell curve, because that is just where by just sheer statistics, most of us are. And even like the, the people in our lives, we think, oh yeah, no, they're really successful. You know, they're earning like, you know, hundred grand. That's amazing they're still in the middle of the bell curve, just slightly off to off to center of us. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, they're not an Elon Musk. They are not mm. a Henry Ford. They are not a whoever. So what what is it that gets that person to that point? And then what is the trade-off?
1: Uh, have you ever read Outliers?
0: Malcolm Gladwell. Uh, I've, yeah, yeah, just downloaded it.
1: Dude, it's so good. And he really makes like, such a good point where people are like, oh, my God, that person's, like, so lucky. Like, look how talented they are. It's like, like with, like, say, Michael Jordan. And it's like, yes, he was incredibly talented, but he also worked very hard at it. And he was also in the right place at the right time. And a lot of those guys, like Steve Jobs, like Steve Jobs, Bill Gates, they were all in the tech area, like whatever – I can't remember what it was, but whatever university they were in was at a time when computers were quite rare, And the university they were in were like, we're going to throw fucking loads of money into computers and you can spend as much time on computers as you want. I was like, yeah, well that's why they were ahead of the curve because they were talented and they were in the right place at the right time. And then they worked hard at it. So I really, yeah, that is, yeah, it's a really, it's a really good book. But, um, and I just, I just actually finished reading. Um, it's more like an essay, but as a man thinketh, which
0: who wrote that
1: James Allen. Okay. So, it's only like, it's like fucking 50, 60 pages. Uh, but it's really cool in that for me, what I took from that is like, how am I reacting to things? And it's kind of like right at the forefront of my mind because I've literally just finished it a couple of days ago. But now I'm trying to think when I'm in a situation, like how am I going to react to it? That's really, really important because like a lot of it is just your initial, boom. okay, I'm going to do this. And you're like, whoa, hang on which I think is is similar to uh, –
0: what was that chimp book that was really fucking popular? Uh, the Chimp Paradox.
1: Oh, uh, uh, dude, I tried to listen to the audiobook, and it just, like, broke me. I was like, if I hear that guy say chimp one more time, I'm going to unleash my chimp and put my face through my phone.
0: <laughs> I, I really did not. I think it's a very, very clever book, but I just did not enjoy it. Like, I didn't find that it was well – put together like written, yeah like it was mm. it's not that the content was bad it's just the fact that it wasn't put together in like i think in the best way that it could have been um but like yeah i so the last the last audiobook that i went through was um oh gosh if uh i can't remember the full thing as if this is a man by primo levy and it's basically mm. him like chronicling his experience as a holocaust survivor. Mm-hmm. And it's very, very very much falls in line with like Viktor Frankl's mad search for meaning Mm -hmm. in terms of collective community through suffering and everything. And I was just like, oh God, I need a break. (laughs) (laughs) I need need a break from anything. Like that was heavy.
1: Well, you know, right at the start of lockdown, I was reading uh, The Boy Who Followed His Father into Auschwitz. Oh, wow. Um, And when you read those uh dude, you read those kind of things and you're know, just like, okay, now it's bad, but it's not even remotely like it's it's not on the same scale as that.
0: And oh, like man, yeah. You know, like it I don't
1: know I don't know if it's a really it makes you go it makes you more value more what you have instead of keep on thinking about what you haven't got or what you did used to have. It's just like fuck what you did have. In terms of the places you could go and the things you could do, what can you do? Just fucking, just fucking look at that. Yeah, uh, and well. those those kind of books are really good for making you think in that in that way, which is a really healthy way of thinking. But they are also very heavy books, and so they they do take some some time to get over.
0: Yeah, and and but once again, that comes back to that sort of like, for every high, there must be a low. Like for every like Elon Musk like SpaceX project, there needs to be another divorce. You know, what yeah. I guess, like, <laughs> because that's the thing it's like you know tiger woods greatest golfer of all time beat up some hookers like that's not great like there's there's definitely like some big highs and lows between all personalities but i think there has to be that sort of up and down dynamic that push and pull between like the gaining of strength knowledge whatever it is there is that upswing followed by a downstroke yeah 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 you have to like if you want to really push your intellectual boundaries or even your physical boundaries, there needs to be that sort of like, right, I'm going to try and read or train or just try and push past my limits. And then I have to deal with like the cost of that on the back end because there is always a cost. Like you don't, it, it's not money for nothing getting kicks for free. Like it is nothing to like, nothing like that. You have to be willing to stretch yourself in physically, intellectually, socially, whatever you want to call it. And then sort of, deal with the fallout as it comes.
1: Yeah. I was just I'm sorry, I'm just thinking of dire straits now.
0: Yeah, I know. (laughs) (laughs) But when I got in when I got in now, it's just like, yes, I am the greatest. Oh fucking hell. All right, mate, well look, that's been like an hour and like nearly two hours. And we could just keep going for for forever. But I'm very respectful of your time. So how about you tell the people where they can find you on all the things and uh, how they can get in touch with you for mega coaching and all Donut Barbell-related apparel.
1: Yeah, awesome, man. So, yeah, Donut Barbell on Instagram and Facebook. And the podcast, which is mainly uh, powerlifters and strength athletes, is Barbell Q. So, oh, the, yeah, with a very cool logo, I must add so
0: an exceptionally cool logo you've done very well
1: yeah a big thanks it was actually an irish powerlifter that helped me out with that so big thanks to Niall for that
0: awesome all right jake mate thank you so much for hanging out and catching up and we'll have to do this again soon
1: pleasure man it's been all wicked
0: all right i'll yeah. catch you later brother see you later right, bye. so that was the episode with jake downs and man what A great conversation it is just such a pleasure to have jake on the show every time he's such a cool dude so all the ways that you can reach out to myself greg jake it's all going to be in the description box for this podcast wherever you find your podcasts we are available on itunes stitcher and Spotify. So there is no reason why you can't keep up to date with all things talking fit. Once again, guys, if you could leave a five star rating and review for the podcast, it really helps. It helps push and grow the podcast and it really helps spread the message. If there is any way that we can make this better, if there's any topics that you want us to personally discuss or get more into the weeds with, please do just let us know. Every piece of positive feedback and positive critique helps make us better so once again guys thank you so much for listening thank you so much for your positive comments and reviews and we're looking forward to the next episode and bringing you the latest and best and most humorous and spiritually enlightening in all of health and fitness there's been talking fit we'll see you guys next time